All right, Nick Urankar here with the Trial and Error Podcast. I've got the one and only Pat Vellner. One of the fittest men in the entire world and also probably some of the best picks of hair. I would say, like, especially your games picture, those hair picks back in the day. You've definitely grown into yourself. Um, like you said, I think the other day, what, somebody said you looked fit or, like, you looked really fit and it surprised you, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, that's right. That was uh, early in games training. Yeah, I don't think anybody's ever said that to me. So it was, it was, nice. <laughs> it was refreshing. Usually yes, I catch so, a lot from the CrossFit world. Exactly. So uh, definitely excited to have you on. You know, season uh, ended a little probably sooner than what you had hoped. Um, not sure if you have any uh, takeaways from 2020 thus far. Obviously, we're in the we're post pandemic, post part one of the games. Uh, what your takeaway was after your experience? I mean, my I think that I kind of got exactly what I asked for this year. Um, after 2019 with the way that they were doing cuts, I kind of walked away and my analysis was like, Hey, you know, anything can happen at the games. Um, and if this system's going to move forward with a cut system, whatever, um, I think it's kind of silly to put all your eggs in that basket. Cause who knows you get a, a really hard judge call. You're out first event. There goes your whole season. So I was kind of reflecting on that and I thought, Hey, you know what? Like we've got some big events now that are, are on the sanctional circuit. I think I'm just going to go compete at, you know, three or four major events throughout the year, earn some money through prize purses there, travel, have some cool competition experiences. It'll cut my seat, my off season basically to nothing because of where the open was. So it kind of meant competing from May of last year all the way through to what, like October of this year, like an extremely long nonstop season. So I was like, ah, it's going to be hard on my body. I think I can do it. Um, We'll see how it goes. And then, you know, I had a great season. I, I did everything I wanted to do and more throughout the year. And then coming to the games, I was kind of running out of juice. And I had some issues, some injuries pop up and things like that. That kind of helped me back through the games. Um, but it's all good. I, I, I'm happy with the season. And I think that, you know, given some of the injuries I was dealing with during the, the stage one, had I miraculously pulled off a top five and scraped in, like I'm still, I, I'm still not squatting under any load or I'm like, I can't, I, I don't know what I would have done to try to be able to compete at stage two. So it's probably a blessing in disguise. I, yeah. I don't think I would have been hobbling onto the competition floor and, you know, barely surviving the, the thrashing that's to come. So um, I think it's good. I think I need the time now. So it'll be good, good for those guys who made it through because uh, they deserve yeah. it. And um, I've never hated sitting back in the stands and watching other athletes take a beating. So I'll be happy to, I'll be happy to watch. I uh, hear you there. Be, being that I'm not there, I want it to be an absolute thrashing. Like I want them to just, I want it to be that. like an unreasonable and inappropriate test that just like crushes people. Cause I don't have to do it. So, so one of the things I know, and, and you know, too, is that everybody comes in with something, right? Like you said, you've got a few oh. injuries, which I want to, I want to hear about what those are, but. I think a lot of people don't really understand the significance of what an athlete goes through. Cause I, I mean, how many times have you walked into a gym and somebody been like, Oh, my shoulder's bothering me. And you're like, F you, you know, <laughs> your shoulder's not like, <laughs> so what do you have? What do you have? Uh, obviously during part one, what, what did you have going on? Um, I like this season kind of all the way through 
training for the games last year, I got a bit of a like slap tear in my shoulder. So I, I've had that all kind of year and I've just never been able to give it the time it needs because I've been bouncing from one competition to another. And I feel like yeah. it's something that's been in the back of my head. And, and that wasn't, I've kind of learned to deal with it, but I'm, I'm trying to give it the time now to, to mm -hmm. feel better coming into the open. Um, but no, I, I actually, I tore my groin like three weeks before the games. <laughs> so I like, <laughs> I like rehabbed it hard. Like, no, I like, didn't rehab it hard because you can't really. Like, the first couple exactly. weeks is, is very little. But, I, I'm, you know, I work as a chiropractor. I work in a clinic setting, so I, I have a lot of access to therapists. So I was kind of getting anything I could get um, to try to make it better. Uh, and then, you know, three days. I didn't really squat or do anything leg intensive until about, like, two to three days before the competition started. I finally broke parallel. And then they're like, first thing you're doing is, like, like a Fran variation and then a Max front squat. And I was, like, <laughs> was oh, going to say. God. So it was, like, it just, you know, it was, it was going to be what it was going to be. And if it wasn't the games, I probably would have withdrawn. Um, yep. But knowing that regardless of what happens, you got kind of a four-month hiatus after that. I was like, ah, give it a shot. I was, I didn't think I would hurt it worse other than the heavy front squat had me really nervous. Mm -hmm. I actually, I actually tore it front squatting. So I was like really nervous about that one. Um, and I, I, I didn't do it any favors. You know, I, I, I recovered for three weeks before the games and then I like destroyed it again. So now I'm, I, I set myself back <laughs> a lot. Yeah. So now I'm, I'm, I'm probably now almost back to what I was like the day of the game started. Um, and then, yeah, but I'm trying to now, you know, give it a lot more time and it's boring. And I like, I, I know I need to do it and be smart about it but I'm starting to yep. itch a little bit where it's just like, I don't know. It's boring to do isometrics and all that stuff all day long. Like, you know, I'd rather yep. do some more exciting dynamic stuff, but it's good. Like I said, with the year I went through last year, I think it's, I need to remind myself how exhausted I was like leading into the games and just like take the time. Like you've got the time it's, now. It, yeah. and there's no, there's no reason. So just to be smart about it, but yeah, you're right. Like everybody, especially with the way the season stretched this year because of pandemic, um, you know, every athlete was hanging on to their like final phase of games training, just in a flight pattern, doing circles, doing their like week four prep, like over and over and over for like an eight week, eight week stretch as we push oh, the man. games back farther and farther. So it was one of those things where I'm like, I'd be kidding if I thought I was the only person. I know one of the other guys tore his Achilles, you know, a week or so before the games. Um, and everybody for sure was feeling the same kind of stuff. Right. I just had a, a particularly bad one that sucked, um, sucked for me. Right. But I, I, yeah, I, would that's, I do not, I did not feel good for you guys. I was like, these guys just keep getting pushed back. Like they're, they're probably way past games ready. They're just like, let me get out there because I'm done. Like, well, I'm and that's the problem, right? It's a, it's a point of diminishing returns where like you can get up there and then you try to hang on and hang on. And then the, you start coming down and the games is right here. And you're like, you're just, your nervous system gets shot and things. So that's why there, that was definitely a feeling across all the athletes. You know, we talk about oh, a lot of the guys were like, buddy, just shoot me already. Like I, exactly. it's like waiting, it's like waiting to get punched in the face. Right. Like everyone's just like, like just do it like just like let's just do it I need to be done I need to be out of here and uh yeah so frankly I feel for the people that had to then turn it around and train another five weeks to compete at the end of October like that's rough I, I don't I don't yeah. know if I would have been able to do it <laughs> man well so obviously 
this year ended. Last year we had uh, or you had some nice conversations uh, with Castro about programming and stuff. Do you have anything to say this year um, after the tests? Uh, it's tough. Like the, the problem with this is the parameters of having to do an at-home competition are just like difficult. Um, I, I will say initially my thoughts were that the, we needed very little equipment. Like I was really surprised to see like no med ball, no dumbbell, no kettlebell, no yeah. box, no rings, no, like we had significantly less equipment for the CrossFit games than we have for the open. Um, and I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, it was more about barbell cycling and, yeah. and very basic gymnastics. And I like, I've never been a big fan of benchmark workouts. Um, so we basically did benchmark workouts for all stage one of the games. So like, yeah. go figure. But, um, yeah. uh, and again, like the problem with that stuff is not the, the workout itself, but it's where it fits. Like the, the, there's no problem with the workout, Mary, but there's a problem when you cut after it. Because, well, because it, big, it significantly advantages certain groups and they never get a chance to then have their event that advantages them, which say for that example of last year, like Mary benefits a smaller athlete and then you do a wonder max clean after it, but all the big athletes have been cut. So it's like, okay, like, it's like who has the heaviest clean of the small guys instead of having like, I, I always joke for last year's It comes down to timing. Yeah. Yeah, like I would have loved to have seen a guy like Bronislav from Poland go out there and clean 400 pounds. Like everybody exactly. would have loved to see that. And, and like, yeah, yeah, the clean was a great show. For sure it was. And it was like a sweet battle between Scott and Matt at the end. But like if Bron was just out there cleaning like 400, it would have been sick. And nobody can argue yeah. that, right? So it's little things like that. And I think that the I, – I thought that the test this year was decent. Um, there was a lot of short workouts. It was really Correct. short. Um, I think the whole first day, well, here's the, here's the stat line is whatever your time was for Nancy basically equaled your time for all other workouts combined. Yep. So your, your first, you know, the first day, all four events were like three minute efforts or less. And my, my question with that was why it wasn't necessary. You know, a lot of times, kind of you know, like but, well, logistically speaking, you go to a big competition you know, you're limited for heat, time. There's a lot of factors that play in. So, you know, going in, all right, we're probably going to sit in this time domain. You know, they're going to probably try to do this. And then when the games came out, it was almost like I looked and was wondering, like, why? Like, what, what's the limiting factor? Yeah. And that's what I mean. I don't, I don't know. And I think that part of it that they're dealing with is, is ease of what people can do. Um, yeah. But, you know, we had a lot of conversations with them about various things, you know, particularly around stuff like the running event, like how feasible that was going to be. And so, you know, they're under extremely difficult circumstances like everybody is. So is it, is it better than nothing? Like the alternative being cancel the games? Like, yeah, of course it is. You know, you get athletes get to have an earning opportunity that they get to do from their own home or from their home gym. They don't need to travel. There's no overhead. Um, so there's now an earning opportunity where there was none. Um, yep. so, I mean, why not? Right. Like, and you can say what you want about like, was it the most valid or most reliable test overall? Like maybe, maybe not like who cares? Um, it, it could be, it, it could, every competition ever always has some sort of a bias one way or another. Like, I think that this competition 
typically benefited a power athlete or like a, a faster yeah. moving sprinter. Right. But that, it doesn't matter. Like if that's yeah. who gets through then that's who gets through. And then my, my bet is that they're going to go to the ranch and do a lot of long stuff. And then oh, yeah. the endurance athletes who are in the top 30 are going to be all rattled being like, Oh, we'll see if these events were earlier than I would have made it through. And it's like, Oh, whatever. Like yeah. it doesn't really matter. And like I said, I, I don't really mind because I'm not really in the mood to train that extra oh, five yeah. weeks and get out there anyway. And the logistics around going in and out of the U S right now is painful. And it's sort of like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not as upset about, yeah. you know, not finishing top five as some people might think. Um, there's like, there's a lot of silver <laughs> lining around it. So yeah, uh, it's good. It's all right. So then obviously you're going to have some time. Um, you get to watch, which will probably motivate you a little bit, especially, you know, seeing like if some stuff comes out where you're like, dang, maybe that, you know, that would have been, more fun or or not and be like man next year hopefully i feel i feel good about doing that and having a bloodbath but what are your plans then for 2021 um i think a lot of it depends on how the season changes um we're expecting some some dramatic changes again to the season structure so my hope is that we get some clarity on what the new season is going to look like obviously right now what we know is that the open starts in february again we have that february march open period um, so where the bulk of the season lies, uh, and just what the game looks like now, we don't really know for sure. Um, so when we have that idea, then I can really plan a little better, but you know, likely I think I've got to compete a little bit less or just adjust my training a little bit to have maybe a few, a little bit more deload built in. Uh, I talked to my coach a bit about that and we'll see if I can get back to like a strong, healthy baseline in the next two months, three months, mm -hmm. um, I might be, you know, feeling a little bit differently about it, but, um, it'll be interesting to see what they come up with. And then my hope is that from then two things, one that whatever season we come up with, um, we're able to stick to that for a number of years. Cause I think it's been challenging in the last few years. So inconsistently trying to catch up or be like, what are we doing and come up with a brand new plan. Um, and it's just, I mean, it's been fun. Like I've been able to travel and compete different places and do some cool things, but there is something to be said for structure. Uh, and I think it's yeah, easier. There's for no stability. Um, and it's a little bit better to understand what you're doing. And I think it works for the whole ecosystem, right? Like fans understand sponsors know where to go. Like athletes know where to go and, and when to ramp up and be, and be tuned up for. Um, and then the other thing is that I hope, you know, coming out of the winter and into the spring and when this stuff's actually going to hopefully happen, that you know the global situation is improved to a degree that allows us to have live competitions without a lot of issues um, because logistically speaking if we're trying to let's say they were like hey we're going to run events you know in these months and it starts in you know after the open ends in march like first events in april um if i was an event planner right now would i be willing to put down money to buy a venue and start the process of planning a large-scale event knowing that there's a chance that I can't recoup my cost because fans can't come. I'd maybe be less inclined personally. Um, uh -huh. I'm a little bit, risk, I'm a little risk averse, but I think that that, <laughs> you know, there, there's a question there still. So um, I think until we have a clear idea of what that looks like, you probably have to have a contingency plan. And maybe that means, you know, whatever competitions are meant to take part in the season. If, you know, like, let's say in April, it's still not a go we were, we're going to run those events in an online format like we did the games. All right, cool. Um, and you know, that'll then 
creates some limitations and I'm not super keen on that. Like I like to compete live. It's a lot more fun. Um, oh yeah. Knowing that my next bunch of competitions might have to be online after, you know, I, my last two now have been online and then the open will be online is my next one. And just knowing that that, that may not end <laughs> anytime soon yeah. is a little bit tough because again, like I like to go and chat with people and like hang out in the back and have the banter and, um, and compete against physical bodies. And like in my, and this is my opinion and this is based on what I love about sport and competition in CrossFit. Um, when you switch to an online format, um, all I'm left with is the shitty workout. And I like, <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't love that. <laughs> So there's a lot of fun. And like, if I have to do that same shitty workout, but you're next to me and there's actually some race there, you're engaged in it a little bit differently. Um, and it just feels differently. And if you've got yeah. fans, if you've got, you know, afterwards you get everybody kind of like slapping each other on the back and in the, in the background or in the, in the locker room being like, Hey, Oh man, I got you on that one. Like the banter in the back between the athletes is fun. Like when you eliminate all that, I guess it's, it's what we call type two fun in our household, which is like, it's, um, you know, you feel proud, you feel accomplished at the end, but it's not what I would call objectively fun. <laughs> yeah. So, you well, know, who is, I'm, so I'm all for question live competition. On, who is the, your favorite person to banter with? Um, I'm trying to think. In, of in competi I'd say in competition, not like online. Yeah. I don't know. Let me see here quick. I'm trying to think of who. Or like, is there anybody you. that's really good? If there's anybody that's really good at it, to, like that you hear and you're like, man, well, it's kind of funny. So I, I like I like talking to Matt a lot because he can't really say anything back because he's so good. <laughs> he just looks mean if he does, right? <laughs> yeah. But like, if you're yeah. like the underdog who's kind of like, you know, taking a swipe now and then, you look you look heroic. And if he does anything bad, he looks awful. <laughs> so that's like a super cheap tip, but. Um, I don't know. I feel like I like chatting with BK and Brent and like, I just, it's usually guys, you know, a little better. Um, yeah. cause I wouldn't like go fucking take a swing at somebody that I don't know at all. Cause I don't want them to like yeah. take it personally, like someone who's a yeah. rookie at the games and they're just like, Oh shit, Velma really like came down <laughs> on there. Like, I'm not trying to wreck your day. I'm trying to have some fun. Uh, there, but, um, it's fun. There's some good guys out there. I know, uh, Logan Collins was always good for a chirp here and there. Oh yeah, he's good. A lot, yeah. a lot of the guys who like who played sports, like collegiate sports and things, usually have done a little bit of that John on the field somewhere. So they're always a lot of fun. That's awesome. So the kind of obviously we talked a lot about this year, next year, um, and there's obviously a lot of people that are going to probably listen and be like, "Man, I want to be Pat Belner." <laughs> right? Who I mean, wouldn't? I know. So what, what first, what got you going in this? Cause obviously you started somewhere. Um, not, I don't necessarily necessarily need your you know, athletic background, but like what got you going and then what got you realizing um, that this was something. It's kind of funny. I don't like, I don't think I, when I started competing, it was more of a, just a competitive outlet. Like I had retired from, gymnastics and I'd kind of taken a year to just let that burnout fizzle um, yeah. and I was just looking for something to do and I had some friends at school in Montreal who were just doing CrossFit workouts kind of at, at the school gym so I was just kind of jumped in with them and it was like you know just kind of circuit training stuff like doing these little like what year was that 
20 would have been like 2013, like right at the start of 2013, probably, or the very end of 2012, maybe. But um, okay. yeah, and then I was, you know, I had a gymnastics background, obviously. And so in general, I could figure out all the gymnastics stuff really fast. Um, but I was a, like shitty weightlifter, right? And I had like tiny gymnastics legs. So I just like, had to learn how to weightlift, powerlifting, weightlifting, I had to do from almost nothing. Um, so it was kind of fun. Like the way one thing gymnastics is good for is you're always learning things all the time and you're always falling. Mm -hmm. So like, I think looking at a, a thing and saying, oh man, there's, there's this breadth of skills. There's so many things that you have to do in this sort of sports world that, you know, there's, there's so much to keep me busy. So I was able to kind of keep myself occupied with one thing or another and there's so many balls to keep in the air that it always was a little bit fun for me um and so I, I actually got kind of pushed into doing the open that first year and I got trashed um so then that next year kind of 2013 to 2014 I, I was just training with those guys and it was clear where the gaps were like I said so I just yeah. was like working on that stuff um and had kind of a group of three or four guys and I qualified for regionals that next year barely and it was the pre-super regional. So we were just Canada East. That, that was 14. Was like, yeah, 2014. So I was like 38th seed or something like that, like out of 40 or something. I was way yeah. bad. But I, um, I think it was a particularly gymnastics heavy year. Uh, and I did super well. I won two workouts. Like I won the handstand walk and I won the chipper. And I basically got crushed on like the hang snatch and the, oh, the head oh, that's right, yeah. final. But I like, yeah. I did great. And mostly like the gym, there was like the nasty. It was like a max handstand walk, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And you had yeah, to go the nasty stretches all the way down. Yep, yeah. It was we the, had to like yeah, muscle we did up nasty girls. Yeah, it was. Uh, nasty girls. Nasty girls. Nasty girls 2.0. Yeah, right. that was right. Yeah. So anyway, I, I did great in that competition and I came fifth. Oh, wow. And I think. There was a, so we had a first place was ADL and then there was a three-way tie for second and our region only took second place. Yep. So that was your Paul Trombley qualifier. Oh, that's right. You guys had, so we had your, like this you guys epic three-way tie. <laughs> oh man. And so I was the guy, I was the guy right behind the epic three-way tie. You're like on the outside, like, dang, that sucks for you guys. At least I'm on the outside. Yeah, that was exciting, but I wasn't involved. Um, so anyway, and then I had, I had competed there and then I, I kind of met that was my first exposure to like the CrossFit community. Yeah. That was like the first major event I'd gone to. Um, and I was like, yeah, it's kind of cool. Like, this is fun. Um, what did everybody I, say to I you when you got into this? this? Like what, what did everybody say? Were they I, like, people were just kind of like, they're like, who are you? <laughs> Cause I mean, like in that time, I feel like people had are, you know, people know each other on the competition circuit yep. and they see you coming most yeah. of the time. So everyone's just like, I've never seen you before. And you just like walked out here, came fifth. Like you're, you're winning events. They're like, who the fuck are you? So yep. um, I had, I ended up, there was a gym near where I lived at the time. And I met the coach there. They had like three women at the regional there competing as individuals. So I started training at that gym with him. Um, and we made a team for the following year. So, you know, that was just like, and then working with that guy, we were really able to focus on, he was a, you know, a big weightlifting nerd and stuff like that. So I was really able to focus on a lot of the stuff I needed to do. And then also changing gears into a team setting, we focused on a lot of high power output, like high strength, because yep. that's more what the team side looked like back then. 
which was all what I was bad at. I was very aerobic and I was very skilled, but I was really weak and I had bad power output. So I just worked on power output and strength for like a whole year. And then when I came back to individual, I was like really good and well-rounded. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was kind of just like a, it's funny. It was a lot of like right place, right time. Like, you know, I fell into that competition at the right time, like met the right people. And then just like, and just rolling with the punches. People were like, hey, do you want to come train with us? Like, yeah, sure. Like, oh, this is fun. I could do more of this. And then just meeting people. And I think that that first exposure, obviously being a really positive experience, um, it's it's no secret. Like, you, you like to do things you're good at. Um, yep. Like, that's it's obvious. Um, so when you go and you have an experience that's really positive and you do really well and everybody's like, hey, nice job. Like, you're great. Like, you could be really good. You're like, yeah, maybe. Um, so then it's, it's really easy, a lot easier to follow down that path. Right. And I think at that time I was still full time. I was my, an undergrad. So I was still had school full time and I was like a, you know, piece of shit undergrad student. So, um, <laughs> I was like, I would say I was, I was kind of half taking it seriously at that time. Not really. Um, but you know, I'm a competitive person. So when I'm in the gym and I'm training, I take it very seriously and I, I focus really on what I need to do. So it was good. And I think I just, yeah, because it fell into a lot of the right places at the right time and just was like every decision didn't was low drag. Like it wasn't like I had to move cities yeah. to then work with a coach or things like that. They're like, Hey, we have a gym right here. I'm like, Oh, cool. That's like a, you know, it's like a five minute bike ride from my house. I'm like, ah, easy. Yeah, I'll come train there. So like, every decision was low drag. And then just like one after another, everything kind of adds up. Right. And then and it wasn't year, ever. So when you started, was it ever, did you ever think you'd be sitting right where you are right now? Like in the position you are inside the sport, like was, was the goal, I'm going to get sponsors and I'm going to push Matt Frazier who in 2014 actually was his coming out. So you, you weren't there with him when he got second, obviously, you know, that whole story, but yeah. what, 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 I what was the though. desire? <laughs> what was the desire to like, to do this? Cause obviously right now there are a lot of people out there who, you know, they want, they want, to be an influencer they want money they want to they want to stand and be where you are or take your spot from you um what was it that got you to where you are as far as that like motivation a lot of stubbornness probably um it's funny i don't think uh like you get asked that a lot of like when did you know you were like were a games caliber athlete it's like i don't and i think everybody likes a punchy sexy answer and I think that everybody likes a, a story of like, yeah, I always knew I was going to make it. Like I, I always knew I was going to win or whatever. And I, my goal is to win, like always to win. Like I'm a very pragmatic and realistic person. And I think that always looking at my life, I've always looked at everything in a balance. I've never been like a unilateral person. And, and I kind of alluded before, I'm fairly risk averse. So I really don't like making a full commitment to one thing because Sometimes that doesn't work out. That's just real life. Yeah. And I, you know, some people go, ah, oh, well, if you think that way, then of course it's never going to work out. And like, yeah, all right. Like that's not, that's not how that works. But yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm very pragmatic. So I look at that stuff and I'm like, cool. Like this is a fun thing that I can do while I live in Montreal and I'm going to undergrad and great. And then I graduated and I kind of, in the first year, you know, or the second year, I guess, of competing had like some little like local sponsors kind of talk to me and like you get a, some gear here and there or whatever. And you're like, ah, yeah, cool. Um, and then we went to the games the next year on a team. And then there was like, 
it was still pretty low key at that point. Some more local stuff, no big deal. But I was moving then to Toronto and I was not sure like, I'm like, I, I want to go back as an individual probably after that year. And I've got to now find a new gym and I've got all this stuff. And I was like, ah, I don't know. But at this point I've been kind of doing like three or four years of training and I was like, yeah, I'll try to do it. Um, so I hooked up with a guy <clears throat> again, pretty near where I lived in Toronto, started training there. And then that year was when like, I think after the games that year, when I came third in my first year as an individual was the first year that there was like financial implications. Like mm-hmm. up to that point, it was very much a hobby, a hobby that I took very seriously that I worked very yeah. hard at and I spent a lot of time doing, but the investment stage was big. And I think now there's a bit of a difference because to me, it was always performance first. Um, and then everything else will come after that. You know, people are going to want to associate with you based on how you carry yourself, how you perform. Um, and, and that's, that should be your priority. Um, and there's this whole other side of like the influencer world of it where now people, mm-hmm people want their image first and then you know they could be a whatever performer but they we can generate a following based off other things right you don't necessarily generate a following just off your performance you can have any kind any manner of reasons why people follow you based on your personality or whatever um so people have kind of caught on to that and so there's this whole other stream where there's there's athletes who are making a living through social media or through various different sponsorships um, and, are, and are now still trying to break into a, you know, a more recognizable position as an athlete. Um, and I, 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 for me, I just find that so backwards. Um, and not that it's, I think that it's, it's taking advantage of something that's available now. And even when in 2014, 2015, that was significantly less available. Like, I think I got yeah. Instagram in like 2014 after regionals. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, ah, cool. Like, I'll try to use this as like, that was like my idea for it was like yeah i'll try to use this as like some sort of a platform to maybe generate partnerships and things like that um yeah but i was also going to school and training and doing other things so my time window to do that alone is very small and it's still i, I catch shit all the time because people are like oh your videos on instagram like suck all the time like you gotta put more effort into that and i'm like <laughs> dude i'm trying to like work as a chiropractor i'm trying to train like i catch myself all the time about to start a workout and being like maybe i should set up a camera Nah, nah. I'm like, forget it. It's going to take me like an extra five minutes to like get shit out and do things. And I just, and I know I should make more of an effort to do it. My logical self knows that, but it's just, I'm in a hurry a lot of the time. And I'm so used to not thinking that way that, um, you know, so anyway, I I feel like there's those kind of two streams where there's people who really focus on the sports side and that's their priority. They want to challenge themselves. They want to win something. They want to be, the best athlete they can be. And then whatever comes from that is secondary. And then there's like a second yeah. stream where your priority is, you know, creating partnerships through social media, creating things like that. And then allowing that to be a stepping stone to your success as an athlete, where like now that I have the financial backing of this so-and-so sponsor, I can travel to more competitions. I can, mm-hmm. I can train full time. I can this and that. Um, so there, there's, there's no wrong way to do it. I think those are two different ways to approach it because for sure, certainly, especially in the last couple of years with the sanctional season, there's a lot of expenses that come with trying to compete at several large scale events. And it's not cheap to, to train and compete as an athlete. Um, kind of what people will say full time, but, um, yeah, so there's, there's sort of, I would say 2016 when I finally came back to individual and then was like, 
right away was one of the top performers. Um, and then there was already, there was already a price tag attached to that, right? Like through prize money, yep. it was like, Hey, great. This is a cool bonus. And then, you know, the next year I did well again. And there's like, then, it, and then it's funny. Then you get trapped into this like expectation of like, ah, every yep. year I'm going to have this nice paycheck and the games comes around, which is beautiful. Case, right. But, um, obviously with consistent performances like that, you draw a lot more attention from sponsors and, and your image is broadcast more freely by the CrossFit media. And, and, you know, now third-party media, people want to do whatever YouTube series, like day in the life podcast, this and that. And then the more ubiquitous your image is, again, the more you gain traction with sponsors. That's what they want. Visibility. Um, Me competing at four large scale events this year is great for sponsors. They love that. Yep. So, you know, that, yeah. that sort of, those sort of things, it becomes a compliment, complicated ecosystem with sponsorships where you want to give them the best you can. Uh, and every, you want your sponsors to think like, oh, this is the best person I've ever worked with. Um, but you want to make sure you can still continue to do what allows you to be successful, right? Yep. So then when you're obviously, you know, you said a lot there as far as, you know, Cause there's a lot of people who honestly go and they want to be the athlete and they don't do a lot on social media and they're just grinding and they're not getting over that hump. Or you've got those people who are just putting so much emphasis and you're thinking, you know, you see him online and you're like, this dude is a bad dude. And then he competes and you're like, something didn't add up. Right. Like there's this image I'm seeing that the athlete doesn't equal it. And then on the other side, like you said, you may see some dude just come out of nowhere and you're like, who are you? Where'd you come from? How'd you get here? I can't even find you. And he's just grinding. So what would you say about the athlete? Cause I think there's a lot of these and I think being and hearing and talking to a lot of people, what is it that people are missing that is not allowing them to get over the hump? What is it that like when you were training and you saw guys who could beat you and then all of a sudden, you know, six months, a year later, you're beating them and they're looking at you like, I'm better than him. And like, what is it that they're missing? Cause you know what I'm talking about that. It's, it's easy for someone to, to talk about you and tell you what you're doing wrong. But it's like when you're that person who knows what it takes and you're watching someone not do it, what is it that they're missing most of the time? Um, that's a good question. It's like, a that's a hard one. That's probably one that's going to like annoy a lot of people. It's, but it's, Hey, it's, Right. And I feel like it annoys people because it's true. Probably. And, I, and I feel like, you know, I don't, I also don't want to give away the secret sauce, you know, <clears throat> yeah, but I think so. on, honestly, well, let's the, stop there. The- let's stop with the secret sauce real quick. So I was actually talking to somebody not long ago and I said, I gave them some advice because I, and it was, I wasn't competing with them. And I said, the only reason I'm saying this to you is because we're not competitors right now. I would literally be laughing in my head that the fact that you think that that's right. But I'm going to tell you because I'm not really worried about you right now. And I want you to know this. And they were like, no one's ever said that to me. And I was like, because no one who knows is going to tell you because you're so good and you suck at that. Like, and you don't care enough to fix it. There's a lot of that. Um, there's a lot of that out there. I think that sometimes it's, um, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not fancy, right? Like it's not. And I think that part of it is just like identifying what you need to do uh, in, in like every little thing, you know, like I spend like a painstaking, I fucking drive my coach crazy. Cause every time she programs something, I'm like, well, what, what are we doing here? Like, what's that? What is the, 
what's the take home point of this piece? Like, am I meant to go unbroken and all this stuff? Am I meant to just go as fast as possible? Like, what are we working on specifically? Cause I'll, whatever the target is, I'm going to hit it right in the center. And then every time we do something else, it's not always the same target. Like not every workout is meant to be just like hit it as hard as you can. Or like, and you see those people who like then every workout they come out hot and then they die or they do and they don't understand they're one dimensional. Um, so I think that there's a lot of that and, and taking a second to analyze things. Um, and to be honest, I analyze things to an, like an aggressive, excessive degree. So I'm probably a little too far on the other side, but I think that there's something important about that. There's like this image maybe in the, like say the fitness, like we're, we're working out, right? Like we're working out fast. You're accomplishing work as quickly as you can. And I think that there's this mentality that's just this gym mentality of like, you know, you just go hard and you try as hard as you can and you work hard. And like, I always joke with people. I'm like, if I can find a way to work as like as less hard as possible and still beat you, I'm going to do it every time. I'm going to find the easiest way that I can get this work done and still just finish ahead of you. Like, I don't need to beat you by five minutes or, or, you know, like I don't need to like do these movements in a way that's more challenging. If I can find a lazy way to do most things, I'll do it. Um, and I, I just need to make sure that I, I hit my minimum task that I'm trying to accomplish. So yeah, it's kind of funny. Like there's, and there's a lot of, you know, there's just well, so, so much I, out I, there. I like how you're answering this by not really answering it because what I find beauty in this is that people are getting the answer somewhere though. Right? Like you have that athlete who you're looking at and you're like, Oh my gosh, you're just, you just don't understand. Like, it's so simple. And then there's a coach standing over there or an athlete or a person who's cheering them on. And you're sitting there like, neither of you'd see it. <laughs> like, like it's the information that these athletes are getting. Like one of the things I say, and I'd love your take on this is the most free information is inside of other people, but it's asking the right people, right? Like, you want to go and become a games athlete. So you ask the owner of your gym, well, who's the owner of your gym? And he says, well, this is what you need to do. Let's get you on a program. Walking you through again, giving you a workout. You do it, you die, you do it, you die, you do it, you die, you do it, you die. You walk in the gym, you watch what they're doing. And you're thinking, why are you doing that? And you watch this stuff and it happens all over the place. And then you see these top athletes grow so fast. And there's all these people sitting in there with their coaches and they're wondering, like, I'm working really hard. I'm doing everything I'm told to do. But the information isn't coming from the right sources. And it's not to say that it's all wrong. But it's like, hey, Pat, if I ask you to sit down with me for three hours, that's probably an expensive conversation for you to give me all of your information, right? Like, you're not going to want to do that. Like, first off, you're going to be like, who are you? How good are you? Are you actually going to be competing at the game? Like, are you, like... There's a lot of factors that come in with you to give a lot of detailed information. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I, I always, I make this joke a lot too, is a lot of people, I don't mind telling them cause they're not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I can tell you everything. I can tell you, I can give you the keys and you'll like, you're going to walk away from the door. And, and the reality is, like I said, like, it's not that crazy. Like a lot of it is simple, but it's, it's simple execution every day all day for you know the entire year and then another three years and like the thing that people forget um 
you know, a lot of people are like, I, you know, I started CrossFit a year ago. Uh, I think I've kind of mastered the basics. Uh, what do I need to do now to like make it to be competitive or good with games? And I was like, Hey, if you think you've mastered the basics in one year, you haven't done. Um, and like B, like you've been, if you've just started, like, like what's your background look like? If you just started CrossFit one year ago, and that means you've just started like athletics one year ago, that's, you've got a long way to go. You know, like I competed in, in like high level sports in multiple different sports for like 12, 15 years before I started CrossFit. And like that, that training age doesn't disappear. You know, that wealth of experience that you gain through like pressure situations. In fact, like I would honestly say that you gain more of that experience through other sports than you do by doing CrossFit. Because when you think about it, like let's say you're a football player and you get put in like a high pressure situation in a game, you know, several times a game, maybe where it's like, it's just a must stop play. Like you got to hit this touchdown to stay alive for the next little bit. You got to hit this kick, whatever it is. Um, you're facing pressure situations repeatedly in a, in an, a, a, a game. And then you've got however many games of your season, like how many exposures do you have to those situations versus in a CrossFit season, let's say in the old structure, you do the open, there's no real pressure there. You're by yeah, yourself. No. You go to regionals, you might have like, all of a sudden you're on a competition floor in front of people and it's high pressure and you're like, holy shit. And you, if you don't advance to the games, like you might only get a, like one or two of those high pressure experiences in your season. And now you've got a whole other year. And so like the, the experience you build in other sports is super valuable. So some people who come in with a very small athletic base um, and you know, they're like, yeah, I've mastered the basics of CrossFit. Like, all right, competition is a, is a different thing altogether. And any competitor will tell you like, you know, if I take, if I go and to do the CrossFit game stage one workouts again, whenever, um, I won't feel the same. Like my time, even if my times were exactly the same, like there's something about competition stimulus and the way like that adrenaline spike drives your body. Like you're always more mm -hmm. sore. You're always more, whatever, like anybody who's prepped for a competition and then done and done the, gone and done the, it's the so different. It's, it's just <laughs> so different. different. <laughs> um, and so some people don't really understand that or, or know how to harness that energy and, and what to do with it. And those are, I think, skills and tools that you build well, more quickly in other sports than you do in CrossFit. I would just completely agree. I, I haven't really thought about that, but that is 100%. Like you, yeah, the exposure is just, it's all the time. And a lot of times it's unexpected. Whereas in, in CrossFit, you know, like, okay, on this event, I'm going to feel like this, but in a, in a sport, it might be something happens and then you've got 10 seconds of like high pressure, like, Oh my gosh, this, we weren't supposed to be in this position. We've got to do X, Y, Z. So it can kick in. Whereas in CrossFit, it's almost like you can overwhelm yourself an hour before and you can watch the person where you're like, dude, you need to chill out and calm down. Like you're really, you're, you're not going to bring yourself down and you're gonna have no energy. So you said a really good thing about like, if you told your secrets to some people, they wouldn't do anything. And I, what well and it's so, you know people I, will say like well how do i how do i improve my conditioning it's well, like well so what like, how many how many times I, a week do you do assault bike intervals and they're like oh i hate the assault bike you're like well isn't it so what i what i find really interesting is that uh, you know you get asked all the time uh, probably way more than i do about what do i need to do <laughs> sorry to cut it off right there but that is uh the first part with Pat, uh, we talked for about an hour and a half, so there's about 45 more minutes, and we'll pick up right where we left off. So uh, stay tuned, I'll have that posted here in the next few days. Thank you guys, this is Nick.
the Trial and Error Podcast.